Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. You've joined us on an incredible day, a special day. This is our first opportunity in this space to share the Lord's Supper together. I want to give a few praises, though, before we get too far into it. One of them is congratulations to Grace Dowdy, who graduated this week. Sorry, put you right on the spot. Lots of things to be to be thankful for, and uh, this, this Christmas feels special to me and my family. I hope it's special to you and yours. It's been a while since I've been excited about Christmas. You know how life is, don't you? Life has a way of kicking you around and throwing you curveballs and hitting you with things you, you just don't see coming, and this year, this year feels, feels special. feels so much. It, it feels special. I hope, I hope it is for you and yours, and let me just tell you, if this year's a tough year, I feel that because last year was so hard on us, but a, a year can make such a difference when it's in God's hands. Big day for Recreate Church. Here we are celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Some of you were here when we did it for the first time over at the high school at the tables. That was so amazing. A lot of you, this is the first time you've, you've got to participate in the way we do it, and you can look around and see it's already a little different than maybe what you're used to, uh, no matter what your spiritual background is. Um, it's one of the few traditions, the Lord's Supper, that Jesus himself gave us, that along with baptism. But like a lot of stuff in the 2,000-year history of the church, a lot of uh, other things have been added to it. People put their own spin on things, and, and tradition gets layered on top of tradition until you can not really be sure what is what Jesus said, and what is the packaging and the presentation. One thing I love about Recreate Church is the Lord has put us together from all kinds of backgrounds. We are the Baskin-Robbins of churches because we have 37 flavors of Jesus' people here. I've never actually tested the Baskin-Robbins menu to see if they have all that, but that's what they advertise. And we have people from about every conceivable church background and, and no church background at all. I love that as pastor, but it also means I can't assume that everybody's on the same page about anything. We may not have the same idea of the meanings of things, so it gives me the opportunity to talk to y'all just about what is right out of the Bible and what is tradition, and it's important that we know the difference. We're going to go right to the source. We're going to go to Jesus himself. The New Testament contains a record of the first Lord's Supper. Several times it shows it. And uh, good thing about the New Testament is it is written by eyewitnesses and those who interviewed eyewitnesses. As a document, even not viewing it as a spiritual book, as a document, the New Testament is the most reliable document to come out of the ancient world. Clearly attested. So we have an eyewitness who's going to give us an account. His name is Matthew. I like that name. That's a good name. Right, right, Matthew? We have a Matthew here today. Well, this particular Matthew started out his life, and he had a job that nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. He was a tax collector. Nobody likes paying taxes. You know, my, my mom works in a county office where people come in to complain about their taxes, and she, I'm glad she's there because anybody else would probably strangle all the people who came in to complain, but mom's very patient. Bless you. Um, 
But tax collectors, uh, she missed me bragging on her. Um, tax collectors in Matthew's day were especially hated because they worked for the Roman government, who nobody liked, and they were known for being unfair. They were, they were cheats. Matthew met Jesus. Suddenly he wasn't a tax collector anymore. He wasn't a cheat anymore. He wasn't a liar anymore. He was a brand new man. God made Matthew new, and he, uh, he became one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 closest followers. So it's through his eyes that we see this today. So imagine Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, he is seeing this, and years later he's writing it down. This happens in the, uh, the upper room, uh, the place where they ate the Lord's Supper. He was sitting right at the table when Jesus explained all this. So we're going to check out Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. So thankful for Caitlin, who's helping out with the computer today. It's Duncan and Diane's daughter. Uh, so it goes like this. We'll, we'll read it and then we'll pray. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus name that you will help us to see all of this as Matthew saw it with the insight that Jesus gave, that you'd work in our hearts, work in our lives, and make us ready to partake in the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord's Supper reminds us that in order to heal our broken hearts and our broken lives, Jesus himself was broken. He was broken for our brokenness, and that's the name of this message, broken for our brokenness. So let's look at it. Let's look what happened tonight. Let's, uh, verse 26, if you'd put that up. Verse 26. What were these folks doing this night? Eating. Eating. I love these people already. I feel a kinship with them already. They're eating. And, uh, well, sharing a meal together is a special thing, right? When families get together for the holidays, what do they do? They eat. When you take your sweetheart out on a date, remember when dates used to be a thing pre-COVID? <laughs> what do you do? Eat. You eat. Eating with people is a special thing. You build bonds that way. And, you, and uh, I, I love Thanksgiving maybe more than Christmas because you eat. You eat so much. And I'm looking forward to Christmas, though. A lot of good food there, too. So one of the great problems of living through the COVID era is it's made us all a little reclusive, you know. And you, you can stay home so much you don't want to go anywhere. I already had a problem with that anyway. I could have been a hermit. I could have been one of those weird guys living up in the mountains or just, you know, any good dry overpass uh, down on 77. I probably could have been that guy. Uh, maybe not this time of year, but the, the warm months, you know. It's pretty good under there. But that's not good for you. Our tendency more and more is to isolate ourselves, and this COVID has only made that worse, but it's really not good for us. We like the peace and quiet, but what was the first thing that God said was not good when he created the world? 
He said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's the first thing he said that wasn't good. It's not good for people to be alone. That doesn't necessarily mean a romantic relationship, but having other people in your life, sharing a meal. Well, Jesus had these 12 people in his life who were the closest people to him during his earthly ministry. And they were sharing a very special meal together. Not just any meal. This meal, this story takes place in the most important holiday on the Jewish religious calendar. It was called Passover. Passover to the Jews was really bigger than Christmas is in some ways in our culture, and it was certainly centered more on the spiritual things. Passover was the celebration of the most significant event in Israel's history, that is, until Jesus came. It commemorated how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. If you read in the book of Exodus, you'll see that God's people were slaves in Egypt. Hey, y'all know what we do when we hear the sirens. We stop and we pray, so we're going to stop and do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the privilege of praying for our community, and we pray for the folks who are involved in whatever's going on, and the first responders going to take care of it, that you would be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's part of why we're here. I think God put us on this corner to pray over situations like that. But in the book of Exodus, we read about how God's people are enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years, and the Passover is the commemoration of how God brought them out. Incredible story all on its own. need to read that if you haven't read it lately. This meal they were eating was part of the Passover celebration. All the members of a household would get together and make a big meal and they would eat it, eat it all gone. Um, if you had a small household, you might invite your next door neighbors and y'all would all come together and have a meal around a table. Jesus was there with the people who was, for all practical purposes, his household, his family. He was with the 12 disciples. Uh, the Passover was already full of symbolic meaning. Jesus was going to take some parts of the Passover and give them fuller new meaning in the Lord's Supper. So picture the scene. Jesus and his disciples were seated around a table. Um, I didn't put it on the screen, but uh, you know the famous Last Supper painting with Da Vinci, uh, Da Vinci's painting? Great painting, but you know they weren't all sitting on one side of the table. You know, that's not how it works. It's all on both sides of the table. Hey, um, I got enough Baptists still in me that I go down both sides of the buffet line. You know what I mean? Any, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Uh, furthermore, the table they were sitting at wasn't a European-style table that's up off the floor, and they weren't sitting in, in European-style chairs, okay, kind of like we are now. Tables back then in that culture were low, like a foot off the ground, maybe, and they didn't sit at chairs. They had cushions on the floor, and they didn't really even sit on them. They would recline on them, so if you can kind of picture... They'd probably be up on like one elbow, up on their left elbow, and they're reaching with their right hand, all right? I'm just going to say, y'all young people can lay in the floor and eat, but this old man up here, I'm glad I got a chair today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the invention of chairs, because getting up and down out of the floor. So, we are trying. We're, Billy says he can recline just fine in a chair. These are not recliners. We're going, the people listening to the podcast are, are going to think that we have recliners in here. We do have armchairs. Ain't that cool? That is really cool. We do have the armchairs. So. Um, 
they would have been reclining around this table. Some of that is not going to be practical for us. Now imagine that. We're all like sprawled out all over the floor and somebody comes in and they'll say, oh, is there a gas leak? Or is there, what happened here? You know, it would, it would sort of freak people out. Um, so we're not able to do it quite perfectly like they did then. It won't work in our space. But you get the idea. They're all around a table. Maybe the operative thing we should keep in mind is not the, the position that they were in physically, but the position that they were in in their hearts. This was a small, close-knit, family-type group sitting around a table. That's what we're trying to recreate here today. A, a small group, family-type group sitting around a table. And as I look around the room... Most everybody is seated with, you know, someone in their household or, or at least someone they know or someone they're getting to know. You came in here today and you sat down at a table. Some are, some are people who are, who are related to you and some people might be new to you. But right now in this moment, the people at the table with you are your family for the purposes of what we're doing today. We're around the table as a family. Now, some of you um, might not want to claim each other. So I'm looking at this table where Duncan's sitting right now, and uh, he's. You keep on, keep it up, keep up the good work, man. But uh, man, I got to turn on something real quick. So the people in the, hold on, let me get there. No, it's on. Okay, I just want the people listening to the podcast to know how messed up y'all are, making fun of me while I'm preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and his response is to laugh more. Ain't that funny? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But this is what families do, right? We sit around and we laugh at each other. Because that's how, you, that's how it goes. We, we have a good time together. And that's what we're going for today. We're trying to recreate kind of that family atmosphere feel. That's what we're going for. That's why we go through the trouble. It's a lot of work to get all this. Thank you. So many people have pitched in in one way or another. And uh, it's, you know, um, that was what the first Lord's Supper was like, right? It was in a small, intimate setting with people who knew each other, sitting around a table. It was a very family-type setting. That's seemingly how the Lord's Supper was celebrated for at least a couple hundred years after Jesus. But somewhere along the way, the Lord's Supper or communion became something more institutionalized, right? It became uh, something a little more formal. In most of the churches that I was a part of before uh, Recreate, we sat in pews. You're welcome that we don't have pews, by the way. You're welcome. Uh, we sat in pews and somebody handed around uh, little plates with little crackers on them, right? Some of you all have been the cracker plate people who have handed these. That's not, I didn't mean that to come out. It sounded so disrespectful. You have been, you know what? This is getting off the rails here. Some of y'all have been the folks who have helped with that, and that's awesome. And some of you are helping, helping today. I, I joked with Neil Marshall today, and I said, there's probably nobody in America that's filled more communion cups than he has. He's probably filled thousands and tens of thousands of communion cups. I'm so thankful to have some people who, who know what they're doing. You know, in the, that church world that I grew up in, we had the little cracker and then the little uh, cup, all right? 
and there was a little place in the back of the pew to put your empty cup. And if you had the really nice little cups, they had a little divot for your cracker all at once. And you know what? That's okay. That's an okay tradition. If, that's, if that is your background, that's okay. That's great. Some of you grew up in traditions where you got out of the pew and you went to the front and you partook of the Lord's Supper there. That's okay too. We have freedom to express the Lord's Supper. But that means we also have freedom too. And what we are aiming for is to establish our own tradition or, or really to try to reestablish an old tradition, the original tradition of having people sitting at tables in, in a family-type atmosphere, having the breaking of the bread. And uh, that is what we're going for. Uh, as Recreate Church, we're trying to find our way back to some of the power and purity you see of the church in the, the early days before so many things kind of clouded it. That's what we're going for today. Um, if you have ever taken part in the Lord's Supper somewhere else before, you know that what we're doing now is, this is different. Um, some of you will not have seen it done this way, but I, I guarantee it's going to be meaningful to you. So let's read on a little bit more in verse 26. Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. At this point, the meal is almost over. As he's giving them the bread, it's not because they're hungry. If you read the book of Exodus, you will find out that at the end of the meal, they have eaten an entire goat, entire lamb. They've eaten plenty at this point. They're not hungry. They've eaten a lot. So he's giving it to them as a symbol of something important. This was unleavened bread, bread made without yeast, and uh, something like you would see on the table today. So if you're a table leader here, just kind of peel back that thing and let the people get a look at it, and then we'll cover it back up. This is pita bread, which I was reminded this morning uh, is a flatbread, but it does have some yeast in it. So, okay, Lord, we're sorry. We got a little yeast in the bread today. So next time we'll try to, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Lucy, where are you? When I sent you to the store, I didn't think it had yeast in it. So that's on me. All right, I'll have to answer before the throne of God for that. But Okay, thank you. Thank you. So um, that gives you an idea. It would have been a flat bread. It would have looked a lot like this, even if it's maybe not exactly the same. So uh, in my church background, we had the little crackers or the little wafers already in size. Some of you may have seen it broken off a bigger loaf, or maybe you've been in a church where you broke off the piece of bread and you put it in the cup of wine and you know and that's okay too there's a lot of room here um what i really want to be clear is the message the meaning the breaking of the bread is symbolic of how jesus was going to be broken that's why we have left the bread whole on the table this morning i felt so convicted it needed to be left whole and broken in front of us today. The disciples did not fully understand what Jesus was saying to them. They had been told multiple times that Jesus was going to uh, give up his life, but they didn't, it didn't compute somehow. It just didn't come home to them. And he is showing them one more time, I'm going to be broken for you. 
The New Testament writers tell us what happened just after the breaking of the bread and they departed from the upper room. Um, Just hours after this, Jesus would be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was beaten with fists and whipped until the flesh on his back was shredded and hanging off of him. He was mocked and he was spit on and a crown of thorns was pressed down on his head. He was made to carry a heavy cross up a hill to the execution site where he was nailed on it and raised up to die, not just to be executed, but to die as a public spectacle. Crucifixion was not just a method of executing a criminal. It was a way to shame and embarrass and I'm sure in their minds deter other people from committing crimes. But Jesus was put through such humiliation. Hanging in that position with his arms up. uh, Medical doctors say you can't really breathe like that. Hanging by your arms he would have to have pushed up against the nails that were through his body and just to breathe. And he He lasted six hours like that. Six hours. And when it came to the end, his life really was not taken. It was given. The scriptures say he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. He he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why? Why would he endure that? He could have called tens of thousands of angels to rescue him at any moment, yet he stayed. Why? For you? For me? That's why. His love for us, not the nails, kept him on the cross. That's what the Lord's Supper is about, folks. It's a powerful reminder of what Jesus did for us. He was broken to heal our brokenness. That was prophesied over 600 years ago, 600 years before by Isaiah. I believe I have that scripture in there. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. Do I have that in there, Caitlin? Isaiah 53. Goes like this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The reason for the crucifixion is our brokenness. Our sin. Our iniquities. In order to receive salvation Through Jesus, we have to have an understanding of why it's necessary. Jesus didn't come to save good people who've never done anything wrong. He came to save sinners. And that's us. Maybe you haven't done some of the things that other people have done. I hope you haven't. That's good if you've tried to live a good life. But when it comes... To what counts as righteousness, it only takes one sin to mess it up. And that is something all of us have done. We have all sinned. We have all strayed. But Jesus came in. 
He stepped in and he took our penalty. The sinless one was broken for us sinners. That's the meaning of the broken bread. So when the bread is broken in front of you, that's what needs to be in your mind. The body of Jesus that was broken. Let's look at verse 27, please. Uh, Verse 27, and uh, we'll do 28 and 29. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Wine was a something that wasn't specified in the book of Exodus, but it was a, tradi- a traditional part of the Jewish Passover meal. And uh, we, what you have in your cup today is not wine. It is grape juice. Let me tell you why. Uh, we realize that alcohol is going to be an issue for a lot of people right um some people would not feel comfortable with it and some people know that they shouldn't drink it because there's a problem there so we just have grape juice today i think that's okay that's okay um that night they probably all drank from the same cup too um i hope this does not break your heart but we're not all going to drink from the same cup today we, uh, that's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people and make it hard to concentrate on the meaning. Uh, we, we live in the midst of a viral pandemic that just seems to drag on and on is not going away. And, and, uh, so we, we have to put such a big priority on sanitation. That's why we're using these individual cups. Now, let me tell you, these cups are special. These were made by our potter in residence, Billy Honeycutt. Some of you watched him make a bowl last week here. Before you ask, no, you may not take them with you. <laughs> if you would like to get one, talk to Billy. He's got a bunch of pottery. He'll, he'll figure something out. But these, these are going to stay with us because we'll use them next time, okay? I see a lot of heartbroken faces, but uh, there is pottery to be had. You just can't have these, okay? All right. So uh, there are a few points. So there's a few things that we're not able to do it quite like they did. We're using grape juice, and we're not drinking out of the same cup, but I think the heart is really in the same place. Um, Jesus is very clear about the meaning. He said the, the content of the cup, in that case the wine, in this case the juice, the fruit of the vine, he called it, is symbolic of his blood. Lots of folks are squeamish about the idea of blood. That makes a lot of sense. Blood is supposed to be on the outside of people, uh, inside of people, sorry, not the outside. And, and when you see someone who has, their blood is not in the inside where it's supposed to be, it makes sense that that would make you uncomfortable. Back in those days, they were probably a bit more comfortable with it because that was an agrarian society and they, um, you know, they slaughtered animals pretty regularly. It was something they were a little more used to. Furthermore, The Lord had been preparing the Jewish people for thousands of years to understand the meaning of blood sacrifice. That blood was life. So when these disciples sat down with Jesus, they understood what sacrifice meant. They had just received the flesh of this sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed at Passover and was the blood was drained from it. That was part of the, the sacrifice at the time. And, and when I say the word lamb, it makes you sad, doesn't it? You think of one of those 
precious memories, lambs, you know, and like, oh, why does it have to be a lamb? They're so sweet and so innocent. What did a lamb ever do? And you're right. The lamb was an innocent victim. The innocent sacrificed for the guilty. That is what happened on the cross. The innocent Jesus sacrificed for the guilty me and you. That's what happened on the cross. The sinless sacrificed for the sinful. Innocent for the guilty. God sent His own Son to, make, to be our sacrificial lamb. Those little cups of juice in front of you, that's so much more when it comes to the meaning. Yes, it's, it's just juice. It's just, I, I know there are some spiritual traditions that teach the blood literally becomes, uh, the, the juice literally becomes the blood. I don't think you can make that work biblically, but I'm telling you, it is a powerful reminder of the blood that was shed. His sacrifice. Jesus was broken for our brokenness. Because of His blood, we have a future. We have a hope. He referred to that in verse 29 here. Verse 29 says that we'll be enjoying the, the kingdom of God with Him. And we can do that through His blood. Verse 30. One more verse here. When they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. So the meal is over at this point. The Lord's Supper has taken place. The Mount of Olives is where He would be betrayed and arrested. The events of the crucifixion would be set in motion. He would be betrayed, crucified, and buried. And when he was buried, his disciples were sure that his brokenness meant defeat. They didn't understand that his brokenness was going to be healing and resurrection. He came out of that grave. I love Easter. I love Easter so much because it's that reminder that Jesus... Didn't just go in the grave. He came out. He was broken, but he did not stay broken. He was broken for our brokenness. His brokenness is our freedom. His brokenness is our healing. There's no salvation without the brokenness of Jesus. There's no salvation without recognizing the brokenness in us. The Lord's Supper reminds us that we we can't save ourselves. Nothing we can do can erase a single sin. You should try to live right. You should try to make amends. Yes. But we can't go back and erase the past. All we can do is give Jesus our pieces and trust in Him. That's what this is about. The Lord's Supper points us to salvation in Jesus. It's a powerful reminder of His sacrifice to us. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to have the Lord's Supper right there at the table where you're at. Now, I just want to make sure some things are plain. I want you to understand 100% what you're getting into and, and realize that you know, just because you're here, it doesn't mean you actually have to take, place, take part. You can watch. It's okay to watch today if that's the right thing to do. That's between you and the Lord. Nobody's going to make you feel bad about it. I've got some table leaders at each table who understand that, and that's part of the conversation we had is, you know, we don't want anybody to feel bad if they decide not to. Or feel bad if they decide to. We want to make sure people can do it with the right heart. Um, 
in order to participate, you really need to have trusted in Jesus as Savior. That needs to have happened. And if you need to do that today, we'll make time for that. We're going to make time for that, okay? So you can be ready. But that does need to happen. If you haven't trusted in Jesus as Savior and you're not ready to do that today, then today's just a day to watch. Because it's for someone who has trusted in Jesus. As, as for kids at the table, I'm going to leave that to the parents to sort that out. And if kids have been saved, they can participate. If they haven't, just a day to watch. And that's okay. You learn a lot by watching. You can grow a lot by watching. And when the time is right, it can. And, and in general, if there's any reason you can't take it seriously, I know when I was a little fella, I thought, oh, awesome, we were having snacks. And that wasn't, that wasn't the right heart. And, uh, you know, it's not snacks. And it's not just something we do because it's time. If there's some reason that you can't really have your heart in it, then it's okay to just watch today. Nobody's going to judge you, and that's, that's okay. But uh, if, if you, I want you to participate if the Lord is moving in your heart. You should. You should if you can. You should so much. I just want us all to understand how big this is. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to do some praying in a little while. And um, after that prayer, if you want to take part in that, you've got a napkin there in front of you. And if there's, uh, if your napkin has, somebody's got a hold of it or didn't know what it was, we'll make sure. Uh, Lucy, could you grab some extra napkins, please? Our city's got it. Okay. So if you have... Uh, lost or misplaced your napkin or otherwise mangled and you need a new one we'll make sure you got one so just uh wave and what i want you to do is if you want to take part just open it just open it up makes sense right don't have to do it yet don't have to do it yet if you're ready to take part after the prayer you just open it up and that will be the signal for the person at your table to to serve it to you all right so here is what we're going to do we're going to pray. Smartest thing we can do right now is pray. I'm going to ask Caitlin to start that next slide with a little bit of music to kind of set the mood here. And then if you'd like, you can find a seat or do whatever you like. Okay? We're going to do some praying. So let's make our hearts ready. This is the time to take care of business with God. If you need to pray today and be saved, that is what you should do. Just do business with God. You can say, Lord, I know I've sinned. I want to be forgiven. I believe in Jesus. Please save me. Please forgive me. I give you my life. And I ask you to make my life new. In Jesus' name. If you are saved and you know there's some stuff between you and God that you have not dealt with, right now's the time to deal with it. If there's sin in your life that you have not confessed, Confess it to God right now. Make your heart ready. Just tell Him, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I knew better. I knew better, Lord. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't be living like that. I want to stop this thing that's in my life. I want to be new. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive me and make me clean. And all of us can pray, Lord, Please shut out the distractions. Please, Lord, help us to focus on who you are 
and the sacrifice of Jesus, His body that was broken and His blood that was shed. Lord, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that You'll make us ready to take part in Your supper. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now at each table, there's somebody who's going to serve and uh, if you if you are ready to receive, you open that napkin up now. Just open it up. And uh, table leaders, if you will, please put on the gloves. There's two pairs there in case something happens to the first one. Table leaders, go ahead and put on your gloves, please. We're trying to... We want to not let have anybody distracted by the sanitation issues. And I'm going to move over here and I'm going to I'm going to sit with my family. So So if we're ready, table leaders if you'll uncover the bread. Need to uncover the bread now, table leaders. This is a special moment here, folks. So, uh, remember, if you're a table leader, just place the bread on the open napkins. You don't have to give a big piece. Just break off a a piece. Go ahead and and break that bread. And give a piece to each person who's, who's ready. Folks at the table, as the table leader is breaking the bread, you think of the body of Jesus that was broken for us. How he sacrificed himself for us. So we could be saved. So we could be whole. So our lives could be something different. Than what the devil wants to make it. We read the story. Of how Jesus. On the night before he was betrayed. Took the bread. Blessed it. And broke it. He gave it to his followers. And he said. This is my body which is broken for you. And in remembrance of and he said he he said in remembrance of his sacrifice, eat it. And now you'll take the bread and eat it in remembrance of him. Next, we'll partake of the cup. Uh, Table leaders, uh, place one of those cups on each of the open napkins, please. We've read the story of how Jesus, after the meal, after the bread, blessed the cup. And he shared it with his followers. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. As we drink of this, think about the blood of Jesus that was shed and the salvation that comes through him. Now in remembrance of his sacrifice, we partake of the cup. You may drink.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you shed your blood as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you for the freedom and the salvation that comes through your blood. We pray this in your name. Amen. When Jesus and his disciples finished, the scriptures say they left that place singing a hymn. And we don't know what they sang. Probably one of the Psalms. Different churches have different traditions. One song that we probably all know is Amazing Grace. I want to mute this computer really quick here. Because I don't know if I can sing it in that key. So We'll just sing that first line of Amazing Grace. Would you guys sing it with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, t'was blind. But now I see. Thank you for being a part of this today, folks. I hope it's meant as much to you as it had to, has to me. May the Lord bless you as you go.